Welcome to the BID Academy podcast, the place for entrepreneurs and service-based business professionals to learn new skills, systems, and processes in order to automate your business so you can grow your client database, hustle less, and earn more. Now, let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the BID Academy podcast. Super excited to have you here as always. And in today's episode, I will be interviewing someone who has quite a lot of experience in the world of sales. And I would love him to share uh, the gold nuggets that he was able to get over the last decades, pretty much. Um, I would like to welcome Glenn Poulos, who is the co-founder, vice president, and general manager of Gap Wireless. With over three decades of experience in sales, he has developed a successful strategy system by spending thousands of hours in the field or on the phone with customers and working with salespeople in several successful companies. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. So before we'll dive into all the questions that I have for you, uh, could you share your backstory and how you, why you decided to start your own business and uh, especially being sales? Yeah, and the funny thing is I've actually sold the company last year and the name has been changed in the last few months. So I'm now... I actually have a very similar job to what I had before, but now I'm actually same role and everything, but the name has now been changed to NWS. We're part of a much bigger company. And um, yeah, so Gap Wireless was the foundation of the company that I had built starting in 2007. But, you know, my sales background goes back to 1985 when I was a government employee working in the federal government, uh, fixing electronic gizmos and stuff. And my boss said, hey, you, I think you'd be better cut out selling things than fixing them. And so I got a job in sales and I worked for a company for about five years and I realized, hey, the owner is making a lot more money than I am. And so I put together an idea. I approached them about it. And they refused me on the idea. So I actually quit my job. And in 1991, I started a company and I ran it for about 15 years. I sold that company and then I had an opportunity to start a new company, Gap Wireless, in 2007. And coincidentally, I ran that one for 15 years and sold it. So I had two 15-year cycles plus my learning at the first company, getting me to the 35, 36 years now of, of uh, being in the sales game. So, yeah. So, I mean, I run the sales, uh, you know, at Gap Wireless, I ran all the departments, finance, ops, but we're a sales company. We're, you know, we're driven by customers and you know, uh, so it's all about selling, right? Um, in this new role, I've kind of given up a few of my uh, operational and finance uh, oversight. And now I'm focusing on the entire North American company, all the companies that have been bought, their entire North American sales organization. I'm bringing it together into one cohesive unit. And uh, that's what I'm working on right now. And so that's yeah. quite a lot of work. Yeah. Bring everyone in one. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, as you mentioned, you built companies and you sold both of them. Yeah. Can you share, because most of the times when people start the business, um, they don't really think about selling the business. Mm -hmm. So is there a way how you can build a business and then sell it? So basically how do you build a sellable business? Right. So the one thing that that's important about the, you know, is the uh, the quality of the, first of all, you want to be building a quality professional organization with proper controls in place, right? Like they're going to want to come in and look and see how do you run your business? What's your accounting standards, you know, and is it predictable year over year? Are there all sorts of spikes and weird things and money going in and out or whatever, right? So 
And fortunately, myself and my partner, we ran a very kind of like by the book business, right? And, um, you know, we have rules and policies and procedures for everything. And we had a, you know, we developed a company that had a lot of uh, intellectual property, like systems and things, the ERP and how we run the business. That was all systematized. So they were able to look at us as being a turnkey operation. They could buy and just, you know, they pay the multiple. And now all of a sudden they own the business and the business just keeps doing what it's doing, right? Uh Um, But you have to understand, like, usually when you're selling your business, it's an average of your last three years kind of performance. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're timing it for the right time. So if you're coming through a phase of really three good years, you want to be careful, like, you know, Maybe now's the perfect time to sell it because the fourth year may be a dip, right? And so you don't want years four, three, and two to be affected when three, two, and one could have been a better average, right? Because they're always going to average the last three years, right? So you want to be looking forward out three years when you're, you know, when you're selling the business and classifying, you know, um, how you spend money on the business and, um, you know, in terms of your EBITDA, you want to be maximizing your EBITDA. That's the really number that everyone's looking at, right? That's the main one. That's the main one, right? Now you have ad backs and things like that. But what I mean is like you want to be, you know, you want to be showing how much business in a steady state it can throw off, right? And that's what they're looking at and that's what they're paying for. And um, and so, yeah. And so, because most of them, the due diligence is pretty serious. So you want to have all your documents in order. You want to have all your paper, you know, have paperwork on all your people. You want to have policies. You want to have rules, and you know, and that goes a long way to speeding up those processes. And and um, yeah, so quali- quality of revenue is also very important as well. Like, how did I get that order from that customer? Where did I buy the products from? Where do they get it? From? You know, and being able to prove that hey, I got might have got this hundred thousand dollar deal from a customer, but I paid. $60,000 for it from a company in Europe who shipped it to me here. I paid for it here. Like they want to look at all that and verify, um, you know, make sure that it's all quality of the revenue. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which was an interesting thing for me that, you know, I never really thought about it. And, but once I went through it, I'm like, yeah, I can see why they'd want to do this. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Because you never know what kind of, uh, shenanigans people, some business owners, uh, exactly. I'm trying to pull it out. Okay, cool. So do you, uh, so I know that you have your book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Do you also cover this part in the book? Um, little bits of that, some of the, the, some of those aspects, but it's not so much about selling the business, but it's just it's about more running, about, yeah. more about running the business, yeah. Which is the most important part. I mean, yeah. of course there are different, uh, different types of books. Could you share a little bit about the book itself and why I decided to write it? Yeah. So I got into sales, like I said, in 85 and I didn't know anything. I was a 20 something kid. And, um, I started noticing that some of my mentors at the job were doing things over and over again, you know, and getting the right results. Right. And I was realized, well, okay, so the best way to be good in sales is to find people that are doing it right and copy them. Right. And so the book sort of came about of years and years of me copying down what I noticed mistakes and good things that I saw other people do and do that. Don't do that. Right. That was kind of the, my, my approach. Right. So, you know, and I named most of the rules after the people that I learned them from. Now, of course, for the book, I had to change their name to something <laughs> to protect the innocent. Right. And, um, yeah. and so, um, but nonetheless, over those years, I started, you know, uh, writing down the rules. Then I started sharing rules with people. 
you know, and then eventually people are like, oh, you should write a book. Right. And I, and I, you know, so way back when I did try once, but it was a, it was a, a low level try. And then I just kept adding rules to it though. And then when the pandemic hit, I decided, Hey, what's the best time, you know, I'm stuck at home. Why don't I spend my weekends instead of sitting around, you know, I can finally write that book. Right. And so I buckled down and in, um, uh, you know, 2020, 2021 during the pandemic time. And that's when I wrote it and and published it. And it's really a compilation of, you know, the subtext is, you know, 57 tips to build a career and a business in selling. Right. And, um, you know, and so it's just a conglomerate of all these tips and rules and situations and stories that came about from my career. And you can pretty much flip to any page and say, okay, that's a rule. What does that mean? And, you know, uh, you don't have to start at the beginning and you don't have to finish right till the end. You can pick it up and put it down as many times as you want. And you're going to learn or be reminded of a rule pretty much every time. Right. And, uh, so yeah, I can start at any point you want. And if you want me to share some rules, I can share some rules. So. Uh, sure. Yeah. If you do have, I don't know, the top three rules, but I do love those type of books because you don't need to read through the whole 300. Yeah, the 300, because usually the books are about 300, 350 yeah. pages, yeah. And then you do get a bunch of gold nuggets, but then you didn't to go through the entire book. And yeah. it takes you, depends on how people read books. Let's say if you read yeah. it, I don't know, an hour a day, maybe you'll finish the book in a month. Mm. Uh, but in this case, yeah, you pretty much go straight to... Uh, you go right to the tip, and if you like the go. tip, just take one of those little post-it note things, those little tabs, yeah. put it on that page and say, I'm going to remember that one. And... Yeah. um yeah, so I mean, obviously, the biggest tip is the title of the book. Never sit in the lobby, right? That's the name of the book. And people are like, yeah. what do you mean, never sit in the lobby? I'm like, when you get to the lobby, don't sit down. Be standing up. And they're like, oh, what if I'm early? I'm like, well, then don't be too early because your feet will get sore. And so, well, <laughs> why don't you sit in the lobby? Well, you don't sit in the lobby because if you sit in the lobby, you end up taking out your phone. And when you're on your phone, then the guy walks out. You, you don't even notice him walk in the room. And he's got to come and interrupt you. And you got to look up at this guy towering down at you. You're sitting down playing on your phone, texting your girlfriend. And it's not a good look, right? You want to be ready and waiting to meet your customers when they walk in the lobby. And, um, you know, and then there's a rule that goes with that while you're in the lobby, not sitting down is always have something in your hand and something in your mind, right? So you've got something you want to give them. So it could be literature on your product, a brochure, flyer, something it might be a quote that he asked for. Uh, or you might be given, you know, you might have a giveaway like a mouse pad or a trinket or something. Maybe you brought them a box of donuts. If it's the morning time in Canada, we love giving away donuts, but not after 1030. So that's the latest you can bring donuts. I didn't know that. If you bring it after 1030, then you spoil the guy's lunch and then he gets mad at you. Right. <laughs> and so you got to get him in the morning where he can build up an appetite to get, still eat his lunch that he brought. And so, um, always have something in your hand to give to them as they walk up to you. Not your phone, obviously, because you're not playing on your phone. You're standing, waiting, right? And then have something in your mind you want to talk to them about, you know? You ask for this quote, just dropping it off. Can we flip it open? Can you take a quick look at it? Just want to get your first impression. You know, the guy looks at it, you know, his face turns white, you know, you know, shock or whatever. Maybe like, oh, maybe I maybe I got an issue here, right? And then you can say, oh, you know, and um, and you can figure out and gauge how to go, right? And then Another rule I always try to stack when I'm visiting a customer in their lobby and I get as far as getting to their lobby and they come and meet me is after I stood in the lobby, had something in my hand, something in my mind, I always ask them if they could give me a mini tour 
of their building, of whatever it is I'm there for, right? Because everyone sells something different, right? And so it's important you can see your competitors, right? And I usually selling equipment and things like that, right? So mm -hmm. I'm trying to get into a warehouse or a lab or a testing facility or a, um, a production area, you know, or, a, you know, a factory floor or something like that, right? I mean, if you're selling software or something like that, it's a little bit different, but you know, um, but it's still about getting behind that front door because then you're going to see what coffee mugs are sitting on the bench from your competitors, what mouse pads have been dropped off by some other guy who showed up with something in his hand and something in his mind. You're not going to see that in the lobby. So I'm always like, hey, well, I know you're putting in that new where, you know, that new lab or whatever we've got equipment for. Can I get a little mini tour of it? And, you know, and then when they, and then sometimes they look at you like a mini tour and I'm like, yeah, look, it'll, you know, just a few minutes, just a quick look around. I want to see how our stuff might fit in or whatever. Usually they will give it to you, right? And if they kind of hum and haw and say, look, I promise I won't sell any encyclopedias while I'm here. I just want to have a quick look. <laughs> I want to have a quick look at your facility. And they're like, okay. And so then quickly the next rule has got to fall in line, right? The next rule is always, well, you're, you know, you don't want to stand in the lobby for a long time. So if you're a few minutes early, I always suggest you wait in your car. And while you're in your car, you follow the next rule, which is never forget a face. Right. And so what you do is you open up your phone, you go to that customer and you and you go back and find every person you've ever met at that customer. Right. And a lot of times a lot of guys have a territory or whatever. So they're visiting clients repetitively. Right. And so and what I do is called re-remembering someone's face. Right. And so when I get my mini tour and I immediately bump into a guy I met 18 months ago, and I can't remember his name. I already remembered it when I was in the car 10 minutes ago. So I'm like, hey, Jack, how's it going? Good to see you. And he's like, who the hell is that guy? He's like, oh my God, that's Glenn from two years ago. He remembered my name. And then Jack later bumps into that other guy and he said, oh, I know I know she knew Glenn. Well, what did you deal with him for? He goes, oh yeah, he's such a nice guy. Love dealing with that guy. Because I remembered his name, right? And wow. the worst part is if you don't do it, that's really the rule, is never forget a face. The rule isn't remember the face. The rule is never forget a face, right? Because if you forget the face, you're going to hurt their feelings and you can't recover. It's instant, like, because our brain thinks in nanoseconds, right? The guy Good. instantly knows you can't remember his name. The only way you can do it is to re-remember it before you meet him in the hallway. So you got to re-remember everyone's face. Sally's the redhead, Jack's the bald guy, Sam's the tall guy, you know, and just so it's bing, bing, bing. And you're walking down the hall to the mini tour and the guy's like, oh, should I bring this guy to mini tour? He's like, holy shit, he knows Jack, Sally, Bob. He knows everyone. Like, okay, he's safe to have here. So then he lets you into his situation, lets you, you know, start, um, you know, having a look around or whatever. And then you start to take mental notes. Whoa, there's my competitor over there. My God, they have three of them. Like, I never knew that. I didn't realize they did that kind of thing. And you're not spitting it out right there, but you're yeah. taking mental notes, right? And you're also looking for opportunities for, um, you know, like one of the, the the biggest rules for me is when I'm visiting customers, I try to know the next thing I'm doing with the customer before I left the building, right? Maybe I'm getting him to take me to see another guy like Jack after the call and drop me at his desk. So now I'm in the building behind the door. I'm at Jack's desk and I can see which mouse pads are on his desk or what t-shirt he's wearing. Or the guy says something about something. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm back here in a week seeing Jack. Why don't I just bring it with me then? I'll bring you that information. I'll bring you that quote. I'll bring you that system. I'll bring you that whatever, right? And so I don't have to go back and figure out how to phone the guy and get another appointment. I left. I have an appointment before I even left. 
And you do that over and over and over again. And before you realize it, you don't have to spend Monday and Friday sitting in your comfy chair at home trying to find calls to make where your boss wants to know what you're doing because your day, your weeks are booked out in advance. That makes so much sense. And especially the part when you mentioned the names because a person's name is the sweetest sound. Yeah. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I noticed sometimes people overuse their name. Let's say you get people on a call and I, I had it happen a couple of times where they would be like, Alex, this and this and that. And then they would say something again and then Alex and Alex and Alex. And it becomes a way too repetitive. So sometimes yeah. people do overuse it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to be, do yeah, no, that's yeah. disingenuous, right? And there's a rule in my book called um, uh, uh, implied familiarity also breeds contempt, which means if you pretend like you really know the guy, oh, Alex, 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 like that is like fake and phony, right? Yeah. And that means that will, you're acting like you, you're familiar with the person, right? And that over familiarity makes people feel contemptuous and dislike you. It's a, it's a reaction that I see all the time. And so you need to have that certain amount of respect for the rapport and let it build naturally through a series of rapport building techniques, right? Not jump from this to rapport. It doesn't work that way, right? Yeah, makes so much sense. So in your case, after COVID happened, because you, you just mentioned that you go in and you see clients at their place, do you also do any... Let's say Zoom calls. Yeah. So, I mean, I break it all up into like a series of events that occur, right? And so the thing is, is that you can't do it all on Zoom because if you try, how are you ever going to see? Because what, what, what's the logo on my, on my mug here, right? Can you tell me? You can't see it, right? No, so I didn't never know. Yeah. You'll, you'll never know if it's your firm that's doing consulting for me for my taxes or if it's your biggest competitor. And I got the mug, the coffee mug. I got everything, the pens, the t-shirt even. You can't even see the logo, right? You got to get in the building for that, right? So sure, lots of it can be done on Zoom, but certain things don't work well on Zoom, you know? And so a lot of who, you know, and there's, you know, seven, eight billion people in the world, right? I mean, I'm not appealing to every single sales guy yeah. on the planet, right? I'm talking about the people that need to get in front of customers. If you have some product that's done through some kind of SaaS you know, interface on the web and people log in and it's, but I'll still bet you that the winning people went to visit the customer. I still bet you that the ones that won a 20, you know, not like a multi-year SaaS deal with someone, one, someone probably visited the client, right? Well, so that's who I'm trying to appeal to are the guys that need to get, act and stay in front of their customers and be a pleasure to do business with always. That's who I'm appealing to. And, well, uh, makes a lot of sense because people also see that you're willing to come in and uh, build the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm a, you know, I, I was the general manager of a company I ran for 15 years and I sold it and I wasn't on the road selling anymore. I have lots of salespeople, right? I, but they, when the company bought my company, they looked at what they had for resources. They bought another company in Quebec, right? And they said, like, Glenn, like, you're the sales dude, like we need your help, right? So will you take on this role of driving sales and marketing, customer service? And and I said, look, as long as I can also drive IT and the backbone that drives the business, that drives sales and marketing and customer service, then yes, I will do that. And I'll step back from some of these little rules. And now 
I'm back on the road. I leave my house on Sunday. I get home on Friday. I'm visiting all the customers. I'm going to all the trade shows for the next year. I'm going to meet every salesman, every customer to figure out, like, what are we? Who are we to these people and how to do it better? I don't want to be on the road every day. Every, you know, that's not my goal. I mean, I'm 61 years old, right? I thought I'd be, like, relaxing and I'm busier than I've ever been. But my point is I got to walk the walk and talk the talk in my book. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I never sit in the lobby and I always show up with something in my hand and something in my mind. And, um, and that's, yeah. And so I'm actually having to literally pick my own book back up and saying, dude, like put your money where your mouth is, right? You got to walk the walk. Right. And so, you know, I'm on the road, not every week, but most weeks I'm on the road several, uh, to all five days, you know? And, um, because these are new customers for me mm -hmm. new geographies that I didn't work and I have to go out and I got to see it with my own eyes. I got to get into the lobby and then get that mini tour so I can see what they're doing so I can figure out how we can grow the business. Right. And oh. um, yeah. So how long would it say, so let's say if we talk about new people, new clients that you've never talked to, how long is usually the sales cycle on average? Well, you know, it kind of depends on the stuff that you sell, but the stuff that we sell, we sort of go in and we find opportunities. It sort of gestates over a period of 90 to 120 days kind of thing, typically. And then you're trying to, we're trying to look for opportunities that have babies. Like a lot of our products can be sold more than once, right? So we're, oh, I notice you're using, because we, we're in telecom, right? So we notice for this particular application, you're using this kind of a system. So we have a system that's lighter or, or faster, or, you know, more memory or whatever, right? And we could upgrade this and, you know, and we find out how many deployments do they have across North America. And so you, first you do a trial and then you do a, a, you know, staging and you prove that it works and then they buy it and then they just buy it and buy it and buy it and buy it. And then, then it's more product delivery. And then I'm just keeping them happy over time, making sure the delivery, you know, they're happy with all that, but I'm going to find the next product that I can design in and sell repetitively. Right. And, but most of what we do happens over a period of either they want stuff day to day and it just happens kind of over the transom, we call it just every day or in the 90 to 120 day range kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, because based on what I know, it's usually it's like 60 to 90, but I guess it also, yeah. yeah, it does depend on the industry as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, do you have any, uh, I'm sure you do, uh, maybe you have like the top, I don't know, top two or three sales techniques that you use in order to make sure that. So, yeah. So there's lots of funny stories in the book. Right. And then, um, and sorry, and even sometimes I can't, there's 57 like titles. I can't remember every chapter like memorized. Right. But I mean, like there's one, like, I'm sorry, I won't sell you the product. Right. Like that's one of the ones that I love. Like, I'm sorry, you can't have it. And, um, and they're like, what? And like, I've decided, no, I'm not selling it to you. Right. And uh, you're not the right customer profile because basically like you asked me so, for tips and techniques. Or, or do you do it on purpose? Yes. Or the reverse psychology? Yes. That's what okay. it is. Yeah. Like you're asking me about a tip and a trick. So I'm yeah. telling you a trick. Right. And I mean, you don't pull it out on every sales call. No. But so there's a great story in there where the guy, he, we sold like the number two brand, right? We weren't the number one brand. So one of the things, one, uh, one tip I'll tell you, actually, let me back up. Right is that when you go to work for a company and you say you're new in sales or whatever, you get your mind about you and you start to like get out there and you're either winning or losing sales or whatever, soon, very soon after you start, you're going to figure out what the pecking order of your company is, right? You're either number one, number two, number three, number four, right? Mm -hmm. 
if you're not number two or number one, quit. Go get a different job. You're wasting your time, right? Because mathematically, it's a fail, right? Because the most people just mathematically, 80% are going to buy the brand number one, right? Then 80% of the rest are going to buy brand number two. So that's 96%. So you're free, you're fighting over three or 4%. And those people want to buy brand one and two as well. They just can't afford it. Right. And so if you realize that you're wasting all your valuable lifetime and career time selling number three or number four, quit, go work for number one or number two. You always should try to sell the best possible product possible because your time cannot be replaced. So why would you want to waste it selling a subpar product? And so I learned this a long time ago and that's what I did. I just traded up and up and up. Always got the better brands. That's, that's the key, right? That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so, so having said that, right? So we showed up, this is just a trick you said, right? So we're the number two brand. We could tell right away that the guy wanted the number one brand, right? But we also realized that the reason we were there was not because of one or two brand or whatever, but he wanted a unit for production. But this guy was like a propeller head, like an engineer. And he was used to buying the engineering unit, right? So the engineering unit was a system that programmed one of something, right? And they used it to make prototypes and, you know, do their propeller head stuff. And heat. And the number one brand was the best choice for that. But that's not what he wanted us there for. He wanted to buy the production unit that did copies of it over and over and over again. And so we did it better, faster, cheaper, you know. And But his in his mind, he couldn't see it, right? He just said, you're not number one. You're not this and that, whatever. So I didn't do this. My partner did. Uh, I was doing the demo. My partner did this technique. This is where I learned it, right? He just grabbed the power cord and just ripped it out of the wall. And he said, you know what? I've decided you're not going to buy this product. There's, I'm not going to waste your time. Like our time's valuable. We're selling this. This is the best production unit on the market. You're not interested in it. We're going to move on your way. Just tell your boss that you, you looked at everything and you go ahead and buy the, buy the substandard brand that won't program as faster, deeper, cheaper that ours was. Have a great day. And we started walking out. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he completely changed. Now this is dramatic. This is like a yeah. once in a lifetime. I don't do this every time, right? Like, it's shades of this. You got to like, you got to calibrate it, right? But that was the one that got in the book because that's the one that you remember. And the guy brought us back and he said, okay, fine. I'm sorry. I was being a belligerent. Show me the production unit. And he bought eight of them. So, wow. yeah. So, I mean, that's a tip. Like, you know, just tell him, I'm sorry. You're not the right fit for me. You're not the right fit for our product. You can't have it. <laughs> so that's one. I mean... Um, that is interesting. Yeah. So in this case, it, it, it kind of, because the way I look at sales, there is a sales process and let's say you do the, the demo, the presentation, whatever it is. Yeah. And then there is the closing part. So this right. was more of a closing part. In a way. And the thing about the demo and stuff like that is there's a lot of ch pieces that you can learn in the book about the demoing piece. Like most people screw up the demo because they're lazy. Okay. Like, so basically what ends up happening is because they're just looking for points to tell their boss, right? Like what's going on with ABC communications, right? Oh, well, they asked for a demo. Okay. And then later your boss says, what's going on with ABC communications? You're like, oh, well, they got the demo. What do you mean they have the demo? Well, I've shipped them the demo. I'm like, wait a minute. What's chapter three in my book? Never fax the facts, never ship the shit. That's one of the golden rules in the book. Never ship the shit. You ship the demo, you fail, right? 
They want to quote that. And I mean, I, you know, I'm going back to the, you can't, you know, like the facts, the facts is funny. Email the echo is like, you know, like it didn't work. Right. So yeah. obviously I email everything, but what I mean is don't email the quote, don't fax the quote, don't fax the facts and don't ship the shit. Right. So the guy wants a demo say, Oh my God, I'm in the building next Thursday talking to Jack. Can I drop it off? Oh, I'm really busy. Okay, well, why don't I just drop it off in the lobby for you then? Okay, well, you want to drop it off, drop it off. And then, so you show up, call the guy from the lobby. You've got the demo, something in your hand, something in your mind. You want to get back into the building, see where he's using it. So he comes down. He forgot that he told you he was busy a week ago, right? And say, hey, can you give me a mini tour? I want to help you set this up. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, you know, our policy is to set it up, make sure it's done properly, get it out of the box. Blah, 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 da, 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 da. Now you're in the building, mini tour, da, da, da. You're back there. You never forget a face. Jack, Sally, Bob, hello, 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 right? You get to the lab. You see that the competitor's got nine units there, and you're really behind. You better have your work cut out for you, right? So you set up this demo. He says, oh, I need you to leave for two weeks. Two weeks? I can't leave it for two weeks. Are you out of your mind? I said, I got to get this to the next customer by Friday. You got three days. Because you know what? You leave it for two weeks. If you didn't set it up, he wouldn't even have opened the box. Right. And so yeah. those are the things about demos and stuff like that, that like sales guys, they ship the demo. I told my boss, oh, they should have the demo. Well, how's it going? I don't know. Call them. Well, I did call him. Okay. Well, did you leave a voicemail? He goes, yeah. Did he call you back? No. Okay. So where are you at? Loose. <laughs> you know, like that's not selling. Right. And that's, it's that 57 group of 57 things you got to do to make it right. Right. And you got to do them all every time. You know, yeah. you have to always drop off the demo and always pick it up, right? Because you're going to see how much dust is on it, you know, or did they use it or do that, you know, and you're also going to see what else they're using and how they're using it. And maybe that, not only that, maybe that's not even the right thing. Maybe they need to buy something else that they buy 10 times more of that you also sell and you'd actually rather sell them that, right? But you, you need to see them using your product in that environment, right? Yeah. Now I can see how they all merge one into another. They do. They do. Yeah. And, and it's just a matter of stacking them up together. And, um, and you know what, when you're a salesperson, like I always try to sell people like guys, like if you're in front of the customer, that's where you're going to be happiest. If you're actually a salesperson, like I, if I ask any salesperson, you know, what was the best part of your week? Oh, we read so-and-so doing a presentation, whatever. Like, yeah, that's the fun part. Everything else sucks. Right. So that's what you need to focus on be doing. And, or do something else. If you want to be a marketing guy, go sit in the marketing department. They have comfortable chairs. They got double wide monitors. They got ergonomic mice. You know, they got everything you need marketing. Right. But that's not sales. Yeah. Sales is different. Yeah. Sales is when you're in front of customers closing the business. And you said you do the demo, then you got to close, right? Well, if you do the close properly, if you do the presentation properly, right? If you look on my website, there's a, at the top, it's called the punch, perfect pitch and close, right? So you show up, you punch them, you make them state, change their state. Then you do a perfect pitch, meaning the demo, the presentation, whatever. And then the close, when you get to the close, if you did the first two things, right? They close themselves. They actually say, well, how much is it? Like, have you ever been to buy a new car, like a Mercedes or something or a Beamer? And you're like, how much is it? Because you want it. Yeah. It's not like the guy doesn't have to sit there and go, you know, it's close you on it. You want it when it's done right because you change their state. You show them everything they need. 
like, you know, the proper, you know, I love using car analogies because it's so easy for everyone to understand and relate to or whatever. But, you know, you show up, you know, you're a young guy in your 20s or whatever. I don't know, like, I might not get the cars right, but let's say you're looking at BMWs. He says, this guy's a three series dude or whatever. So he sees you walk in. He goes, hey, man, before we look at any cars, come and look at this. Right. He pulls you into this like multimedia room and he hits play on the three series video. Right. 60 seconds. <laughs> whizzing through the mountains. Right. With the music playing gets out. Right. Chick gets out of the car. They go for some wine at the thing. Whatever. <laughs> Nothing like the three series. <laughs> and then the lights come on or whatever. He says, now, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I'm here to look at three series. Oh, let's go look at some cars. Your state is completely changed. Right. That's the punch. That's the punch. Then the perfect pitch is while he's walking you out to the three series, he's like, okay, this guy's 26 years old. You're right. He probably needs this, 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 and this. You got to think it up quickly, right? And I'm not a car salesman, but I mean, maybe he doesn't care about gas mileage, but he does care about performance. You know, he wants luxury, but it needs to be affordable. He's in his 20s. He's got to save for everything else too, not just a car, right? And so you figure all those three things out and you focus just on those three things you know that are the most important things to the guy. And then at the end, he's like, how do I get in one of these cars, man? And that's when you know you won because he tried to close himself. And of course, I, it works on that strategy. I'd use it on every product we sell, not just, well, I don't sell cars, but I mean. No, that totally makes sense, yeah. Like you get to know your client. And as I mentioned with the video, uh, you pretty much show the after state. Exactly. That, that's what you do. Like you, yeah. you don't even necessarily need to explain, well, you're going to get. Yeah. Most people, uh, most people, Alex, when they show up to a customer, they flip open their laptop and they connect to the screen and they're like, well, we have a factory in England and there's like 400 people and then our head office is in Tokyo and we've got 1,600 people there and we've been in business since 1943 and our turnover is a guy's asleep. He already lost them. That's what most people do. I'm like, punch them right in the face with like, Change their state, play a song, make a noise, right? Don't start, nobody cares how big your factory is. Like, yeah, well, yeah. What everyone yeah. really cares about is the result. Exactly, yeah. how it's going to make them feel. Yeah. So show them how they're going to feel at the beginning. That's the first thing you want to do. That's awesome. Then, get, wanna... then get, sorry, and then give them three yeah. things why you're the right choice, and then let them close themselves. And if you they don't close themselves, you made a mistake, back up and start over. And keep doing it until you won. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're right. Ask, sorry. Yeah. I've learned a lot of things. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how and why did you decide to uh, be, become a sales coach? And now I understand why you're so passionate about this topic. I just like sharing the tips. I just find it fun. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. And, well, and especially when you have this many years of experience. And yes selling businesses because not every, not every, but I, I don't remember the stats, but yeah. Is it under most businesses fail, right? Like yeah. most businesses fail and those that succeed, I think it's, is it 15% of them that uh, are selling? Yeah. Not, 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 not too sure. But, um, but I mean, if you have a business that makes repetitive profits with a known business structure, or whatever it, in a way it's easy to sell the check it. The question is not selling too early before the magic, right? Because you're going to get a multiple and if, you know, you don't know exactly where you're headed, right? But you have to guess the right moment of time of three years where the average is times the multiple is what you would willing to take for the business mm -hmm. to go start and do something different, right? And so 
it's a little bit of black magic, but I mean, um, but, but I mean, if your business is always growing, you should always be getting the highest multiple. Right. And, um, so the, um, so, you know, P, P, there's an endless supply of people that want to buy companies that are well run. It's the crappy companies that nobody wants. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. I've said a couple. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you, where can people find more about you and about your book? Sure. So my website's got a couple tips on it and it's got links to the book and all my social media. It's glennpoulos.com. And um, if you want to like connect with me and speak to me or whatever, LinkedIn is the best. You'll see I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram, but that's more just, you know, what I, you know, uh, you know, just what I'm doing in my life. So business stuff, it's all on LinkedIn and I'm very easily approachable and accessible on LinkedIn. So that's what I would express. And it's just my name, you know, Glenn Poulos is my, my handle on uh, LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to add uh, the website and LinkedIn uh, in the description. So people can nice. follow you right there. That's and awesome. Yeah. I wanted to say thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. As I believe time is the most valuable asset, and I appreciate you sharing your yeah. time with me. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Alex. It's great being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you found this content valuable, it will mean the world to us if you subscribe and share your favorite episode with your friends. Also, leave a review and let us know what you think about our podcast and what you'd like us to cover next. If you want to build a marketing machine that will bring you qualified leads on a daily basis, head over to bidacademypodcast.com slash roadmap and download our nine-step roadmap that will help you automate your day-to-day -day tasks and get those qualified leads so you can hustle less and earn more. Once again, go to bidacademypodcast.com slash roadmap.